Well, the very night of the election, many people saw something they have never seen before in the history of our elections. They saw votes being changed on the screen in front of them, going from President Trump to Mr. Biden. On top of that, the morning after the election, well, even that night, the voting stopped. They stopped counting in multiple districts at the same time before the vote got to 270 electors for President Trump. That's never happened before. The only time votes have ever been stopped being counted in this country on election night was when the Broward County problem developed over the hanging chads in one county in Florida. So for five states to stop counting on election night is absolutely unprecedented. And they did it because the vote count for the Electoral College was about to hit and go over 270 for President Trump because of the massive outpouring of votes for him that night. By the next morning, multiple mathematicians had contacted me and told me they knew the algorithm that had been run to change the votes. It was that obvious to people with mathematical expertise. Sydney Powell, she's releasing the Kraken. That's right, folks. Uh, <laughs> Sydney Powell being interviewed on Rush Limbaugh program today, and uh, release, and that's just part. I mean, that's just part. That's just her opening, her opening moments where she's uh, talking talking about the massive election fraud. Uh, unlike anything we've ever seen in the United States, and uh, she is releasing the Kraken. Remember, she actually has a suit now that's going to be apparently heard in front of the United States Supreme Court. All right, folks, good to see you guys here. It is uh, VU 54, the voice of one, episode 54 for New Year's Eve. Eve. <laughs> that's right. It's December 30. Year of our Lord, 2020, which means it's re-election day plus 57. And it's seven days until the electoral votes are unsealed and uh, either recognized or not recognized and ratified or uh, it's going to be decision day seven days away, 21 days until the inauguration of Donald J. Trump. <laughs> All right, hey everybody, it's uh, it's good to have you guys here on this uh, on this VU fifty four. It is uh, Woody Cumby, your host, bringing you the year end blend of coffee, current events, faith, and FSU football, or excuse me, FSU sports. Um, and it's snowing. It's snowing, and I'm not happy about it. That's right. It's snowing here in. Uh, Carmel, Indiana, and I'm not happy about it. Now, uh, no, no, it's not. It's not that I don't like snow. In fact, um, I actually recall having a conversation last winter with somebody, and I was saying to them that I actually wish it would snow every day of winter. Every day of winter. Now, not so much snow that you're somehow locked in your house, or that's a blizzard, or you know, you can't you can't drive on the roads or that. It's not that kind of thing. I just, here's the deal. It's just like, if it's going to be cold, if it's going to be winter, if it's going to be all of that, let me see some snow, which is exactly why I'm upset right now, because it started snowing after sundown. Now, look, uh, if it's going to snow, I want to see it snow. I want to watch it snow. 
And this idea of snowing at night, we got to get our schedule together here, folks. Can't have this snowing at night. We need snowing in the day so that you can actually watch it fall. Okay, folks, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. I hope, you again, you're having a great... Uh, this is kind of like that, that tweener week, right, between Christmas and New Year's. It's one of those weeks where when you call a business, a lot of times you, you kind of can't get the call back. You can't get the answer. Half the people are taking off this week. It's, it's just like that tweener week. Um, and you wouldn't think there would be that much in the news. But, folks, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, there's too much to cover, too much to cover, really. Uh, let, let's just talk about what's in the news. You, you <laughs> I mean, there's some stuff in the news. Wow. Uh, in the news. Okay, let's start with this. This is from the conservativebrief.com, and there was a, a story published yesterday. The headline is, D.C. passes bill to immunize children without parental knowledge or consent. A story by Martin Walsh. It's got a photo of our uh, friend Anthony at the top. And it says, last month, the District of Columbia passed B23-17, a bill that allows children to be vaccinated without the knowledge or consent of their parents. The Washington Post noted, the Minor Consent for Vaccinations Amendment Act permits a child 11 years old or older, quote, to consent to receive a vaccine where the vaccine is recommended by the United States Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. It also establishes that if a minor is able to comprehend the need for, the nature of, and any significant risks inherent in the medical care, then informed consent is established, end quote. goes on to say that a doctor helps determine that, blah, blah, blah. So once again... And by the way, they couch the whole thing in. Maybe there's a vaccination against some sexually transmitted disease and the kid doesn't want to have that conversation with his parents or her parents and blah, blah, and this is about privacy and something. All right. So, of course, obviously, if the kid goes on then uh, and, and comes to the point of wanting an abortion, of course, the parent has no role in that either, according to laws already established. So it's, uh, it's an increasing day-by-day, chip-away, 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 the role of the parent, okay? Now, and notice that uh, who determines these vaccines? Well, it turns out now there's the United States Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. Did you catch that? So now there's big brother, there's a big brother advisory committee on immunization practices. Now, what's the bogus word in that one? It's the word advisory. Trust me. Trust me. What, what this committee ultimately is not going to be giving advice. No, it's not going to be giving advice. It's going to be uh, presenting mandates for vaccinations that have to be taken. So it's no longer about you and your doctor and your own conscience, and your own consultation. No, trust me, at the end of the day, in order to keep their license, your doctor better follow the guidelines of the advisory, the United States Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. He sure better fall in line with those practices, or he or she is going to be in big trouble. 
All right, so that's it. <laughs> that's news item number one. Hang on, I'm just gonna have to have coffee after that. Hold on, hold on a second. Now, staying with uh, staying with coronavirus. Uh, this is from the National Pulse. This was from uh, Christmas Day. Uh, exactly the kind of story that, that uh, is a Christmas Day story. It says uh, the ABC fertility report. Men may want to consider freezing sperm before COVID vaccine. That's according to Natalie Winters. An ABC affiliate in Florida has suggested that, quote, men may want to consider freezing their sperm prior to vaccination, end quote, in, report, in a report about fertility and the COVID-19 vaccine. Health reporter Christy Kruger and special products producer Kathleen Corso wrote in their December 20th article, article for Local 10 News that the University of Miami uh, is investigating the possible effects of coronavirus vaccine on male fertility. It goes on to quote a uh, University of Miami urologist saying that uh, they don't think there's any problem with this vaccine, but uh, just in case, you might want to just preserve your opportunity for uh, errors in the future. <laughs> oh, God. oh, man. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. We, 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 no, no, no. We just offer these things as a public service, as a public service for your health. It's what you're getting here on the VU. We're looking out after the future, the future generations. Uh, oh, man. All right, so uh, switching gears entirely. Here's, here's, here's a story from Just the News. Uh, the headline says, over three-quarters in a new poll support mandatory photo ID to vote in person. And this poll was by the Just, uh, Just the News Daily Poll with Scott Rasmussen. And it found that 77% of the people uh, answered uh, yes to this question. Should all voters who cast their ballots in person be required to show a photo ID before voting? 77% said yes. Now, what's not clear is what happens with all these mail-in votes and all that. But I'll tell you what. One of the things this kind of thing represents, ladies and gentlemen, is that the polling, whether it's directly about the, the presidential election or whether it's a, you know, kind of an allied issue kind of like this, uh, the polling is coming our way because people get it. People understand at some level, at some gut level, they, they, they get the fa fact that there, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of shady things happened in this election. There's a, this thing's a scam. And we, we can't have dead people voting, people voting four times, people voting, you know, who don't live in, in that uh, city or that uh, state. Uh, you, you just And some things have to be done, and people get it. People get it. Now, um, then finally, did, I don't know if you saw this. I'm assuming you did, where Donald Trump was named most admired man, right? This was yesterday, Donald Trump, most admired this is according to uh, Gallup. Gallup did the poll, and this is from their website. It says Americans are most likely to name President Donald Trump and Michelle Obama as most admired men and women in 2020. Trump tied former President Barack Obama for the honor last year, but edged out his predecessor this year. 
All right. And so it uh, Trump's first place finish ends the 12 year run as most admired man for Obama. And so uh, anyway, so here, here's the thing. The obviously there were several different uh, uh, choices that people could make. So it's not like there was some overwhelming vote. Trump Trump got 18 percent. Right. And uh, Barack Obama got 15 percent. And look at this. Uh, our friend Anthony uh, Fauci, he got 3% of the vote, and Joe Biden, Joe Biden, uh, 6%, 6%. Now, uh, that's really, I think, what should be the headline. That's the kind of like the buried headline, the buried lead. Uh, Joe Biden, who supposedly just got 80 million votes, more votes than any human being in the history of the United States of America, comes in at 6% as most admired. Wow. 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 Uh, That's in the news. We're just talking about things that are in the news here on The Voice of One. Um, No, no, no. We're going to get to the main subject here in just a minute. No, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, Hang with me. Uh, So uh, what about what's not in the news? Uh-huh. All right, we're talking about what's in the news. What about what's not in the news? Here's a headline from Breitbart. From Breitbart, a story on the 24th from Christina Wong. She's, she, the headline is, New York Times reporting blackout on Eric Swalwell's spy tithe continues over two weeks. Here's the, here's the lead paragraph. The New York Times has continued its reporting blackout on ties between Representative Eric Swalwell, Democrat uh, California, and suspected Chinese communist regime spy Christine Fang, not reporting on those ties for more than two weeks after they came to light. On December 8th, Axios reported that Swalwell had been one of several American politicians that Fang had developed extensive ties to as part of a multi-year spying operation in the United States between 2011 and 2015, right? Um, so uh, they, all this comes out, the fact that he's, that, that, that Representative Swalwell is, uh, had a long personal, personal relationship, this married uh, Eric Swalwell had a personal relationship with this Chinese communist spy, and he fell for the honey trap. And uh, so this comes out, and guess what? The New York Times says nothing about it. Nothing. Now, this is a guy who is on CNN like every night, right, accusing Trump of Russian collusion, Russian collusion, right? And here he is the whole time, with a Chinese communist spy, uh, when you know, you know, when he's away from his wife, and and so the New York Times, nothing about it. Just amazing. It's just amazing, the absolute blackout from mainstream media of anything that would be damaging to the Democrats, and the absolute magnification of anything they can find and distortion to the point of distortion of anything they can find uh, related to uh, anybody who's Republican. Just a, it's just amazing, really. It's really amazing. 
Okay, folks. So today, uh, just want to have two uh, two segments, two segments, and uh, here they are: UFO countdown and electoral showdown. UFO countdown and electoral showdown. We'll be back for the UFOs in just one moment. So tempted, so tempted to name this segment. I told you so, but but no, I don't. I don't want to do the I told you so thing, uh, even though I told you so. All right, so we're count. This is called UFO countdown. Remember, I did tell you that that uh, in 2020, the only thing left was the UFO reveal. Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This story is published in the UK Independent, although it was also found in Fox News and other places. But this is in the UK Independent. It was uh, published uh, today. And here's the headline. Are you ready? The COVID bill. Yeah, that one they debated back and forth and and Trump vetoed and it went back and this and that. And finally he signs and the 5,000 page thing. Yeah, that one. The COVID bill includes, this is the headline. The COVID bill includes 180-day countdown for Pentagon to make UFO disclosures. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so (laughs) here's here's the first couple paragraphs. Attached to the 5,593-page coronavirus relief bill the president signed on Sunday is an unexpected proposition. A request for the Pentagon to brief Congress on all it knows about unidentified flying objects within 180 days. Though not in the text of the law itself, a comment from the Senate Intelligence Committee attached to a portion of the package funding intelligence operations asks the Director of National Intelligence to consult with other top defense officials and spy chiefs to submit a report on unidentified aerial phenomena, now called UAPs, the government argo for UFOs, all within six months. The briefing will cover, quote, observed airborne objects that have not been identified, end quote, and feature, quote, detailed analysis of unidentified phenomenon data collected by geospatial intelligence, signals intelligence, human intelligence, and measurement and signals intelligence, end quote, according to the request. All right, folks. So that's it. It's signed. It's done. And the countdown has begun 180 days until UFO disclosure, at least to the Senate Intelligence Committee. All right. Now, uh, our second segment, Electoral Showdown. All right, folks, here's the main event. We're, we're down to seven days, seven days. These could be the biggest seven days, right, in American history, uh, and uh, or at least in, re- in recent history for sure, because it's all leading up to the big January 6th moment when the Electoral College votes are presented to the Senate. They are opened by... The president of the Senate, who is vice president, uh, Mike Pence, 
and then they are accepted by or objected to by the Senate, and then depending upon how things roll out, a lot of different things can happen at that point, including uh, the rejection of certain uh, uh, ballot, certain electoral votes, and the adoption of others, and those. Anyway, it, trust me, these next few days intense. But between now and then, but before we even get to that. Things are beginning to heat up. All day long today in Georgia, there was a hearing, uh, a congressional hearing on all the fraud. And the fraud that's in Georgia is just replete. I mean, it's unbelievable how the, how the people, and now the, the, the president takes to Twitter, blast the, the uh, governor of Georgia, Kemp calls on him to resign, and he should resign. What a deadbeat. So uh, at any rate, I mean, they, they, had, they had one expert that came forward that talked about how he's able to hack into the system. He and his team hacked right into those voting machines. They had another demonstration where they showed that you couldn't trust what the, you could feed the ballots into the voting machine. You get a different result every time. I mean, completely unreliable. And they just, and, and then the whole list of, of all the illegal votes. I mean, they went on all day long. That's in Georgia. Meantime, in Arizona, I love the people of Arizona. Man, they're so fired up out there. And in Maricopa County, especially where the big, the big fraud took place, apparently, those people are so mad out there. They have now, and look, there, I think there are four, um, uh, don't, don't, don't quote me on this. I want to say there are something like four people, four or five people on this electro, electoral board in that county. Three or three or four of which are are Republicans. They hold the majority, who are complete deadbeats. Apparently, those people in Arizona, they have mounted a recall campaign to recall those dem- those GOP people today. No, no, no. They're not waiting on the next election. They're not going to primary somebody. They have a recall petition. They have a huge rally coming up. They're signing that petition. They are going to recall those jokers today. Meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, huge rally uh, plan, continuing to put the pressure uh, on elected officials there um, because so many crazy uh, shenanigans happened there, and, and partially because the, the Republicans gave in to Republican demands way back in 2019, and it came back to haunt them. Meanwhile, in Michigan, um, uh, Michigan uh, uh, officials have now signed on uh, to a lawsuit that that has to do with uh, the counting of the electoral votes on January 6th. And uh, so Michigan is in action. Um, Wisconsin, no, excuse, excuse me, uh, that was a Wisconsin. Wisconsin lawmakers, they joined uh, the lawsuit that uh, was designed to block the electors from their state and from others where uh, the fraud is suspected. And then back to Michigan, uh, in Michigan, uh, what we have happening is uh, they have shown in uh, this place called Antrim County that uh, the votes um, in, the, in the situation they've got, the, the voting machines they have, have an error rate of 68%. 68%. They have counted the votes on three different times, November 3rd, November 5th, and November 21st. Now listen to this. The first time, November 3rd, right, uh, Biden won uh, 77-69, 
7,769 votes to Trump's 4,509 votes. Now listen to this. They've counted the votes three times. November 3rd, the president got 4,500 votes. November 5th, he got 9,783 votes. And on November 21st, he got 9,748 votes. And, the, and Biden's votes have fallen from 7,700 down to 56 or 5,900. And so uh, Trump becomes the overall winner by a long shot if, if they're willing to count <laughs> the votes that have finally been counted and reconciled. But they're not quite ready to apparently yet in that state, but they have all the evidence of this kind of fraud that happened there uh, in Michigan. So the action, there's action everywhere, action everywhere. And so I'm telling you guys, this thing may be decided before we ever get uh, to next Wednesday, the 6th. But if we do get to the 6th, then what we have is we got Senator Hawley. Uh, he's ready to stand up and object. Others are beginning to say they're willing to stand up and object. There are a lot of House members that if it gets to the House, they're willing to object to these uh, electoral, uh, 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 the slate of electors being sent from these fraudulent uh, areas. I mean, it is going to be a showdown. We're going to talk much more about it uh, on Friday and on Monday, but it is going to be a showdown next, next Wednesday like you've never seen. And I'm sure it'll be televised all day long. Uh, just plan to uh, get the popcorn, uh, get ready, get get someplace where you can check in on what's happening, because I'm telling you, it's historic. It's the kind of thing that will be written about uh, for a long, long time, potentially. So um, last thing I would say is this is going to be such an intense week, and it's going to close with this uh, kind of a D-Day moment uh, on January 6th. Be prayerful. Uh, be prepared. Uh, provide the air cover spiritually. If you're a person who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, be praying. Do your part to do the praying in the spiritual realm, just that the the evil and that justice would be done, that fairness would prevail, that righteousness would prevail, and that we would just come to a right and fair conclusion on on all these votes. And uh, and then and then just have yourself prepared because quite obviously, again, I'm going to say it: if somehow. Uh, these guys stand up and say, look, we can't count these electoral votes from these this obviously fraudulent uh, states of electors. You know what's going to happen because everybody who's listened to MSNBC and CNN and New York Times and USA Today and all the mainstream media, they've been told now for 57 days that it's a complete joke, that that uh, Biden is the president and that all these efforts, you know, these people are crazy. Uh, Trump and all his people are crazy and it's completely baseless. I'm telling you now, if somehow or another at the end of, of January 6th, uh, Trump is, uh, has the electoral votes to be the president, you know what's going to happen. So have yourself prepared. All right, God bless you guys. And I'm going to see you back here on Friday.